Welcome to Lead Sex at Nova School of Business and Economics, the podcast where every week we go over the major trends that are impacting change and transformation in our world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Lead Sex, where we are seeing the current trends of what's going on in the world now and in the future. And uh, today, we have a great guest, and we have an amazing student co-host, which is Sophie Almasi. Uh, Sophie, go for it. Yeah, today we have Gianluca D'Antoni as our guest. He is Executive Security Advisor and partner at Deloitte Spain, and also is the Director of Master in Cybersecurity for IE Madrid University. And he pretty much built all his career in digital risk management. And we are very excited to have him here today for today's topic, where we wanted to talk about like if and how COVID-19 is currently used as a reduction in privacy and also what we think is coming in the future for us, like what will happen with our privacy in the personal terms and in business terms. And hence also the first question is like, how would you define privacy? Well, well, privacy is something that related to information that uh, that uh, every one of us own no? in his private life, referred to his private life, uh, referred to, to, to his profile in an intimate uh, meaning, like what we, uh, what we like, what we like to do even. What we 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 think about different different uh, uh, different opinion even uh, our political uh, our political view our our determination on for example on a, on a sexual habit sex habit so it's something that is related to the to the intimate sphere. Of the life of a human being, and uh, and uh, because of this intimate sphere, we have uh, a lot of uh, rules right now to defend these, you not know, to defend these uh, these environments. So, um, what is your opinion on the current measures to cope with the pandemic? Like, would you say there are a reduction in privacy, and if so, to what extent? Okay, well, first of all, I hope that this uh, reduction of privacy is something uh, um, due to, to force major. So something that, that we have to do is, I think, I hope that is unintentional. Unintentional in terms of that there is no other way to cope with this uh, pandemic crisis than to, to renounce to some space of these our privacy so first of all i hope that this is a, unintentional and this is oblige okay so we can't do anything different and so starting from this point uh, i think that uh, we we have to manage this crisis and the only way uh, because of the virus and we know how this kind of virus is able to spread across a region across country, okay, we have to track uh, human being uh, habits because this is the, the, the source, this is the way how the virus is spreading uh, through the, 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 the social interaction. So the only way to manage 
to contain this virus is controlling social interaction. Of course, we know everybody that just this social interaction is what defined human being. Okay, we are social. We are we are social person. We are social individual. We need this interaction. But on the other way, this virus even need this interaction and is working thanks to the inter to this interaction. So we hope that just for this short amount of time that uh, that divide us from from a vaccine we have to renounce to a, to a certain part, a certain portion of our privacy. Now, uh, that's, a, that's a, a really interesting um, question that, um, an, an interesting thing. Do you think some measures might be here to stay? I'll give you an example that has happened in the past, like when we had like the Twin Towers and the whole thing at the airports, security measures, uh, we had to start like taking away our, our computers, taking away our shoes, mm. and these things came actually to stay. Couldn't ye, and there's a little bit of conspiracy theories that governments are using this, and I don't actually subscribe to most of them, to increase the control of people. Like, uh, especially like these apps of stay away and like uh, that you can have, uh, see like social interaction and so on. You think this might be a couple of things might be here to stay, and maybe some of them are not even like a problem. Uh, well, uh, David, let me just remember that that after the the two tower terrorist attack follows mm -hmm. many others, follow many others. So when you say that uh, after this attack, uh, some of these security measures stay or remain, well, but even remain and stay right now the threats the terroristic yeah. threats so as long as we need those as long as we have to defend from the terrorist uh, threats we have to maintain this kind of issue so i think that uh, we have to try to not forget why we put in place this measure and if the need behind this measure is still alive and so uh, if I ask you, eh, do you think that uh, terrorist attack is right now not a realistic threat in France, in Italy, in Spain, in the United States? Well, looking just at the, the, the news this week in, in France, we, we, we have to, to answer that terrorist threats is still alive. And so... It's still... If the threat is still alive, even the measure is still alive. So I, I, I want to see this measure uh, in this way because we still need this kind of control, okay? I hope that if tomorrow we, we, we will be able hmm, to cope with terrorist threats, to, 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 to erase, to cancel from the hard ground this kind of threats, we can restore even the freedom to, to, to take a plane without to pass a lot of control, for example. Okay, so I, I, I think that as long as we, we, we still need the measure because there is still a threat active, alive, we will have, we will have to maintain. And so moving to, to the virus, you know, moving to the 
to the pandemic crisis. I think that uh, uh, when we will have the vaccine, probably people will ask to reduce this tracking because there will be no, no need for it. I hope yeah. this is just my this is just my opinion. Uh, uh, so talking about terroristic uh, threats that are still alive, and uh, right now we have this pandemic uh, crisis that is a, a real threat. And to cope with that, we need to to establish to implement some kind of of uh, social control. You know, because this virus is uh, is social. <laughs> it's social. Yeah. It's li li like an informatic virus, uh, uh, a computer virus. No, if you, uh, you are not able to reduce interaction, the virus spreads everywhere. How do you? How do you now? Once you go into into privacy and, and your area of um, of cybersecurity, um, I think like a key issue that we are having is if people consider that artificial intelligence is one of the big challenges that we have or the big weapons that uh, we have ahead of us. And now, and one of the things we need to uh, develop artificial intelligence is data and we need to get information. And for that, we need to have less privacy. Uh, and we are competing against as, or as regions, uh, we have a big competition between Europe, US um, and China. And China has clear less privacy rules. So how do you see this balance between the individual privacy and um, in, the, in the end, the overall competitiveness uh, that uh, the regions are going to need in the future? Well, privacy in this crisis should be balanced with health. And the only guarantee to do that is in a proper way is to manage data on a minimum intrusion with our private life. If we talk about artificial intelligence, we are not talking right now, is not related with, the, with this pandemic crisis because artificial intelligence is used for, for every kind of, of, of business process right now, for example, for analytics, investigation, something like that, okay? So artificial intelligence could be a threat, but like every kind of technology, technology is an enabler and we can use it to do the good and the bad, okay? So, so we, have, we have to put in place rules uh, to, to establish limits. And talking about artificial intelligence, there are several initiatives in the world like OpenAI that are trying to establish the, uh, legal or regulatory framework no, or ethical even framework to limit which kind of, of, of use we can or which kind of, of purposes we can to, 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 to figure out for, for artificial intelligence. When you talk about uh, the, the competence or the competition between Europe, United States and China, well, all we know that uh, Europe have a, a very strong tradition for uh, in privacy, in, in ethic. Yeah, so, now with GDPR as well. Yes, GDPR is just a, a consequence of this strong tradition on ethics, okay? So Europe will be probably the, 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 the best, the most developed environment for artificial intelligence uh, 
in terms of rule, regulatory framework, and ethic. Uh, the most powerful environment probably will be in China or in United States, because at the end of the day, ethic, if we are going to, to develop a technology, is a barrier, is a stopper. Okay, in my, yeah. vision, my vision is a, a, a good stopper. Sorry, a good stopper because I, do, I don't want to live in a country or in a world, in a future world in which artificial intelligence will be managed without ethical value. Yeah? So this is, and, and, and probably this is the challenge for Europe, no? to, to how to guarantee that then we will be no uh, a victim of the, the, the use of artificial intelligence from from other country. Thank you, uh, Sophie. Yeah, and um, so also in relation to all the data that is currently collected of the individuals, how how secure is the data actually? Because I know that there's like a lot of concerns from the people that they don't really know what's going to happen to the data. What's going is the data going to be used in the future without them even knowing and. Yeah, that's just pretty much a general question. Like how secure is the data yeah. of these tracking apps and uh, about the healthcare information? Well, if we, we refer to, to location data or healthcare, healthcare information, because we are talking about this, this special situation for the pandemic crisis, okay? It depends, in my vision, it depends on how and, uh, and on who the information, uh, uh, who and how the information is managed. Quarantine and curfew, for example, quarantine and curfew compliance should be managed by law enforcement officials and no more than that. Hmm? No other. Health data managed by health administration, and no any other. And uh, to ensure this is, uh, is mandatory the use of encryption, access control, segregation of tasks for accessing user should be mandatory to prevent any case of abuse. If we are talking about location data, we know that are useful, are necessary if we want to ensure quarantine. For example, here in Spain, we have a lot of problem with this, how to ensure how law enforcement official can manage, can guarantee the, 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 the effective quarantine of, uh, of persons at home. To do this, they need this kind of uh, location data. On the other terms, for, for, for uh, healthcare administration and the healthcare staff, they need the ability to access in a very fast way, in a very easy way to health care information of me if tomorrow I, I follow under the COVID. So it depends on the segregation of tasks. Okay, but in general, you believe that all of the data that is collected now um, or the measures that are taken now will not continue like to this extent we that we have currently well uh, they don't they don't continue because it's so easy how to 
to take your phone and cancel the application and then uh, uh, be sure that, that every kind of records of registry of this application is erased. So you, you can cancel. Otherwise, probably some country will establish a legal framework to make it mandatory every time. Right now, we have no evidence of uh, any country of any country that is doing so. If we talk, for example, about Israel. Israel was one of the first country to, to put in place technology, to use technology to track, okay? And, 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 and we know right now that it was not so effective because even they started the second wave before us. So really then, even I agree with you, David, that, that then all the use of this technology, we have to evaluate, to assess even the effectiveness no, of this technology because exactly. many countries that are using all this technology and they are uh, suffering the second wave even bigger than others. <laughs> like, like for example, uh, they are countries that have no such kind of technology in place. Yeah. And um, and uh, tell me something. And um, what you th what do you think? You also work with a lot of um, of cybersecurity, and um, and actually, people have been warning about cybersecurity for a long time. And one thing I'm worried is that the next big challenge that um, we can have soon is um, that the next virus that is really uh, dangerous. It's actually a, an informatic virus, no, a computer virus. You think society is prepared because the same way during the pandemic, people have been telling about, hey, we need like a global task force on these things and nobody really did much. Uh, do you think we are prepared right now for this or, or uh, cybersecurity can be the next big challenge that we face as a society? Well, I think that uh, that we are not prepared right now. If we remember just two or three years ago, uh, wanna cry? Okay. If we yeah. uh, do, you think really that right now we are better prepared to cope or to face a second wanna cry? Yeah. No. I, I, that's my question to you because I think that we are we are going to we are not doing enough. I've seen a lot of the companies I work with that they still like see like cybersecurity as something secondary that won't happen to us. Do you have any anecdotes? I know that um, that there have been a lot of attacks during um, COVID and uh, during all this pandemic. Actually, uh, cybersecurity attacks have increased. Yes, yes, yes. Do you uh, have uh, any stories you can share with us? Well, uh, Okay, the, during the pandemic, the number of, of uh, illegal domain sharing false information about COVID just to attract visitors to click on them is increased in terms of 10,000 more for days or for months, the registry of these, of these unlegal, unlegal domains, okay? So pandemic, is a great opportunity for cyber criminal because people need more information. People in this, uh, this is a, a clear VUCA, VUCA uh, environment, you know, uh, volatile, mm -hmm. uncertain, complex, ambiguous. The COVID is everything of that. 
okay it is volatile because because we are now living the second wave when many of us probably during the summer was thinking about it we have we have uh, won the virus and so we can stay safe and we can return to our normal life uh, is uh, uncertain because well all of us are talking about vaccine but we don't know when how much vaccine we will need and the, the effectiveness of this vaccine okay complex this is very complex because we all we are seeing that every country is going along yeah. to find the vaccine we we see a lot of different recipe to cope with it you now from the 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 curfew in france to the tracking application in israel we know that in israel the tracking application you know do you remember the first months when israel uh, uh, implemented the tracking app application all the other country was looking at israel and was recognizing i ah, it's incredible because they are very technology advanced and now we are looking that we are suffering the second way bigger than than in africa for example so really yeah. really this is the demonstration that that uh, we don't know how effective or or in which way we have to use this technology capacity that we have uh, and from inside in in cyber, this crisis have generated a lot of different threats. People is working from home with all the, the threat that is that a domestic environment can generate. People are using their routers, probably more than 92% of people is not able, not that they never did, they never done. They are not able to change the password of our router. Yeah. Okay. So they are using unsecured connection. Many company uh, uh, ask to their employee to go at home and use because they uh, they were not prepared to use their personal uh, devices. So these personal devices are not secured with a with a corporate antivirus with a, with a corporate ADR. To, to detect advanced threat, uh, people are sharing devices because you know that uh, in my case, we have uh, six computer at home and, and my kids have uh, every, every, everyone a, a different PC. But I know many friends of mine that, that they have just one or two computers and they have three kids and every kid have to share a computer with the other or with the father or with the with his mother. So this opened the field to an incredible amount of, of threats. So unsecured devices connecting from unsecure uh, communication line and, uh, and infrastructure to companies that are not able to monitor because our uh, devices, not corporate devices, are not able to monitor this traffic and these sorts of threats. So the, the, the the pandemic ecosystem for a cyber criminal is the perfect storm. It's full of opportunity. They can use they can use a legal domain to share information about pandemic, attract people just to read something that they have copied to another to the to the OMS. But uh, the fact is that if I'm navigating in this web page, a legal web page, and my computer have different 
uh, problem, different vulnerability, because my operative system is not up to date. I'm not using uh, different control as an antivirus and ADR. And just to make click in this web page, they are able to execute binary code and to install uh, a, a virus, a backdoor. Okay. And what 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 have we seen? What have you seen in terms of corporations? The biggest attacks you've seen during this pandemic? Well, phishing, phishing. People is receiving a lot of email, phishing email, using the COVID crisis as an excuse, asking for money, asking for volunteer, sharing information of new new vaccine or new investigation, even statistics data, uh, how much of you have received or you are sharing information, statistic information or review uh, through WhatsApp or through e email with your peers. We are doing everybody every day. And uh, cyber criminal is using this interest, the general interest, this general need of people to, to to collect information about pandemic because they are scared about that to introduce in their system, in our system. Yeah, and ransomware, have you seen things with ransomware as well? Well, ransomware never died. Right now we have yeah. we are always with a big campaign of ransomware. They can use pandemic just to to to, to carry out a phishing campaign. And with this phishing campaign, then they have a backdoor to install ransomware. So ransomware really is, is not related with COVID, but COVID is a vector of entrance to spread ransomware in companies because people is asking for information. People is looking for this kind of information. So uh, there is no doubt that this uh, pandemic uh, situation, this crisis, is enhancing the opportunity for cyber criminal. Exactly. Because people is working from home, people is using common devices, people is using unsecure, uh, unsecure connection, and so this is the perfect, the perfect uh, environment for cyber criminal to introduce in company and even in, in the private, in the in the uh, houses of people. And um, and um, uh, Sophie, yeah. So also connecting to this, what what do you think will change, or what do you think better said must change in the future to secure the privacy uh, from individual people, but also from companies? Like what must be done in terms of cybersecurity? Well, I think that we have we have enough principle in place. But what happened in many cases, many times, and that we are not using them. <laughs> so cybersecurity sh sh should be a primary and, and critical attribute for every initiative. Uh, just remember GDPR principle, no? That uh, cybersecurity by default. So we have to use, we, we, we have to embed cybersecurity from the scratch every day when we are going on with a new initiative, with a new business process, with a new digital, digital application, okay? To make a risk analysis, a privacy, privacy risk, privacy impact analysis, 
and to establish which kind of attribute of security, of privacy, we have to embed in this new process. So really, there is nothing new to, to create. We have just to use all the principles that we have developed, for example, here in, in Europe with GDPR. Are we doing it, uh, that? Many times, no. Uh, like no, uh, right now, I don't know. No but do, one. Do you think, don't you think it's a little bit too much what's happening with uh, GDPR? In which sense too much? Too strict. Like I went to the dentist recently and I literally had to write a page of disclaimers <laughs> uh, just for them to be able to send me like my results and contact me and so on. And I know a little bit about what's going on, but uh, a lot of people have no idea like uh, about this. So they even get scared when, when they see these things. Well, well probably, probably to answer to your question, we need more education about that. So people need more education to be educated about that. We think but if that you got people to someone are... much older, for instance, are, how are you getting everyone educated at this level? To make it mandatory from the first, from the first stage of the school age of people, you know that how Korea have been able to develop. Uh, so big uh, technological giant like Samsung and uh, and uh, uh, Sanjong and Hyundai there in the country because kids starting from four years four years old they started to study technology at home and to use technology at home okay and now they they are collecting they are harvesting the results, okay? They are one of the most advanced in technology, one of the most advanced country. What do we have to do with, with privacy? We have to, to, to educate people in a right way. No, I'm totally agree with you that this is not the right way that every time that I have to install an application in my mobile phone, I have to pass through 20, 25 page of, uh, agreement and condition and tell legal condition because at the end people scroll the 25 page and and click on accept everything okay this is a good way this is an effective way to be people aware about the risk of privacy when they are installing an application of course no so we need to 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 imagine, to create, to think about a, a better way. And a better way could be education. Yeah, so um, I think also that the, like the pandemic right now showed a few, like that GDPR is not as flexible as it probably would need it to be to properly cope with the pandemic or like that it had a few gray zones for uh, the measures that were taken in many countries. So if you say we already have the framework, do you think that GDPR needs to be adapted in the future to be better prepared if something like this happens again? Well, talking about the pandemic crisis, I think that I have not seen everywhere a third party certification uh, framework, for example, for all these applications to track uh, location data. So we need transparency. We need third party revision. We need our, our 
clear regulatory framework to develop this kind of application. Who will use this application? How data will be stored? How data will be management? How long this data will be treated? Because even, you know, location data after uh, 30 days or after 14 days are not useful for this pandemic, for this virus, because we know that after 14 days, there is no risk for a person that will be infected. So regulation should be in place to ensure that after 14 days, location data should, must be erased. And I need, I would like to see a third party, a third party revision uh, to guarantee, to check that really the authority or the, the company that is managing this data is doing that in a proper way. So what we need is, is a, 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 a lot of regulation and organization resorts to guarantee that we don't see all of us in a, in, in a, uh, in a, in a uh, new era of uh, monitorization in which everybody will be monitored every day for all their life. We need this kind of, of regulation. I don't see it right now like, like a, a common criteria among all the country working on that. Okay, perfect. Um, Gianluca. We are want to be respectful of your time. We know that you have another meeting starting soon. So uh, it was really good to hear from you. Uh, thank you so much, really appreciate it. Um, and uh, we look forward to speaking again about the topic probably next time more on the topic of um, cyber, cyber security. And we hope that that is not the next COVID that we are worried about. <laughs> is, uh, is cyber security like uh, when people tell me it's like I think look even terrorism that you mentioned I think like the amount of things that can be done just regarding cyber attacks that are not being covered and that we are not protected and there's no agreement between countries it's so big that I think that should even be more like of, of a worry than terrorism in itself although it can be a form of terrorism and on not this so positive note, <laughs> uh, we'll finish the, the podcast here. Thank you so much again. And our amazing co-host today was Sophie Almasi. Sophie, thank you so much. Gianluca, thank you so much for having you, for being with us. And it was a pleasure. Thank you. It was a pleasure thank for me. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you. You thank too. Thank you. You too. <laughs> and see you next week. This was the LeadSacks podcast, and it is produced by Marika Agelberg, Marius Busen, Philippe Santiago Lopes, and David Bernardo Santo. We'll see you next week.